really? Oh my God. Look at y'all. Y'all look wonderful. Let me get this in here. What's up, family? It is so good to see you. It is always good to see you at home as well. Man, I am so happy to be in the house of the Lord one more time. I am amped up to see y'all right now. I've been preaching in the stream for the last year, and I see you, and I can hear you. Not through the chat box, but actually hear your voice. But I do appreciate the chat box and still use it at home if you're still there. Thank you for coming this morning. I'm so excited to jump into the word of God. We're in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Thank you to Brian for reading it to us this morning. Before we get started, let us open up with a word of prayer, and then we will dive in and see what God has to say to us. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for gathering us here this morning. God, as we begin this process of hearing your word, of reading your word, and learning from your word, God, we understand that this is a supernatural process. And God, I pray this morning that you add your super, your super to our natural, and that you make this word truly transformative for us, and that we can leave this place changed by you and you alone. God, we thank you. And we praise you and we lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. This morning, just for a few minutes of your time, church, I want to tag this text, hold on. Hold on. I also want to, before we begin, I want you to continue to lift up the preacher, pride, the preacher pod in your prayer because I'm a little worried about them. I don't want there just to be a walls of Jericho situation where it all comes tumbling down. So please keep this big fella in your prayer. I think he's worried about me and I about him. Let's hope. Let me, let me scoot back just a little bit just in case. Just in case. Have mercy on us. Hold on. Hold on. You know, church, this has been a season where we find ourselves maybe more than ever trying to come to grips with God's will and God's plan for our lives. I can imagine many of us have been feeling this, have been, have, have, have been having feelings of sadness, grief, and utter confusion. And if I'm honest with you, church, I came to this text this week with those feelings, wondering in my own life, God, what are you doing? God, how do I hold on? And it is always amazing to me how God gives us an answer to our question in the text. Because God literally stopped me in my tracks in the midst of my confusion when I came across two words in verse 1. And those two words were, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. God said to me this week, and I want to share this with you, when life feels heavy and confusing, and you have tried everything, or so you think you have, consider Jesus. God says to you and I this morning that we ought to look to the one who is our high priest, our chief cornerstone. Look to the one who is the supreme model of faithfulness. Look to the one who will show you how to navigate the difficult and turbulent seasons of your life. 
And I love what the author of Hebrews says to us. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling. I love this, right? Because it's good news this morning that we can say that we are sharers with Christ in this heavenly calling. The same God who called Jesus, the same God who sent Jesus, the same God who gave Jesus a divine assignment does the same thing with you and I. God sends us, God calls us, and God gives us a divine assignment. And because we are sharers with Jesus in this heavenly calling, the author of Hebrews says to us we must look to Jesus, we must consider Jesus, the one who perfectly followed God in his life here on earth. We must look to him to figure out how are we supposed to walk this thing with God? And as I asked that question to God, God posed some questions back to me. He said, Jalen, what would it look like if my children, if my church prioritized my will for your life over everything else? What would it look like if you prioritized prioritize God's words about you, what God says about you over what folk say about you, over what the world says about you. What would it look like if we said no to ourselves and our plans and said yes to God's will for our lives? What would it look like if we said, God, forget my dreams. Mm. God, Forget my ambitions. God, God, uh, God, forget what I want to do, but I want to trade my stuff for your stuff. God, let my dreams be your dreams. Let my desires be your desires. Let my plans be your plans. This is what Jesus did. He fixed his eyes on God and his purpose for his life, and made that his number one priority. And when we do these things, God will give you the poise you need to handle any and every situation that life throws at you. God will give you the fitness to endure the turbulent winds of life by giving you his strength and his power. The key to holding on and hanging in there is to put your faith in God over everything else in your life. And I want to talk about faith just for one minute. There's a preacher in uh, Dallas, Texas, my hometown, Priscilla Schreier. She has a definition of faith that I find very helpful. She says that faith is when you believe that God is telling the truth. My goodness. Faith is when you believe that God is telling you the truth. See, I love this because it really puts up a mirror, for me at least. Because when we find ourselves in the darkest hours of our lives, and we're faced with these struggles and challenges, we really are asking ourselves the question, do I trust that God is telling me the truth about what he said he would do in my life? When God made me a promise, that he would keep me through every season of my life. Is God telling the truth 
when he said that. And I think in this season, we've been wrestling with that. God, are you telling the truth? And I think for many of us, the answer is yes, but I don't know how to lean on the truth. I don't know how to live in that truth. So God, what do I do? I think Jesus gives us a pathway to that even when we don't see how God is going to fix our problems, even when we don't see or understand what God is doing, Jesus says we have to learn to hold on to the truth that God tells us in his word. And the question becomes, how can we keep the faith and hold on to faith during tough times? To answer this question, let us consider Jesus and how he was able to do it. And this brings us to verse 2. In verse 2, the author of Hebrews tells us something about Jesus. And to answer that last question, how do we hold on to faith, I think the word focus is very important here. Right? Focus. The author of Hebrews says in verse 2 that Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, right? One of the things that defined Jesus as a child of God was that he was always mission-oriented, right? Mission-oriented. And when I think about that truth, I think about probably one of my favorite scenes in the Bible. I'm reminded of the scene, and you know this scene as well, where Jesus was a little boy. He was a, he was a little boy, boy Jesus, right? And Mary had lost track of her son, trying to find him, trying to figure out where he had went. And we find Jesus in the temple. Mary finally gets a hold of him. She says, son, where have you been? I've, I've been searching all over for you. I've been worried, sick. And Jesus, in a Jesus fashion, in a boss fashion, says, mama, why have you been looking for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Now, before we go on, I like to imagine if that was me, if little boy Jalen snuck off to church and my mama was trying to find me and she found me in church and I say, mama, why would you looking for me? Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? My mama would snatch me by the collar and say, boy, next time you and God decide to leave my house, you check in with me, and I will tell you if you can go. So the fact that Jesus didn't have to endure scolding from his mama lets us know that he was really God's son. That's what, that's what, that's, that's what I'm assuming, right? But this scene is so important, church, because we see even at a young age that Jesus was about his father's business. He knew that his main mission is in life was to fulfill God's will, was to fulfill the duty and purpose God had in his life. This is why Jesus was able to be poised, right? He was able to be poised through any circumstance because he knew if he kept his eyes trained on God and his will for his life, God would give Jesus every tool and every spiritual gift he needed to make it through anything. Jesus knew that as long as he remained faithful to God, then God would always remain faithful to him. 
as long as Jesus had faith, right, as long as he trusted that God was telling him the truth about his word, then Jesus had this knowledge and belief that God would be there for him, providing every need that he had. This is what makes Jesus a, magnif a magnificent role model for us. And the author of Hebrews is sure to point out that Jesus is the only one we ought to look to, right? He's the only model we should look to. And he makes this point by comparing Jesus to Moses. Because both Jesus and Moses were faithful to the callings God had on their life. But to be clear, Jesus is the son of God, while Moses is the servant of God. And the reason why the author of Hebrews makes this distinction is because the author understood that the audience at the time who was reading Hebrews held Moses in very high esteem. Moses held a very special place in the hearts of the Jews in the first century. He was considered to be the greatest person in history in certain strands of the Jewish tradition. So Moses was triple OG. Moses was really a cool, grand kind of guy. Moses was the it guy. He was the dude. But, but, but the author of Hebrews is saying, wait, 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 no. Moses was good. Don't get me wrong. Moses was cool. We like Moses. Moses was used by God to set our ancestors free. We love Moses, but Moses ain't the son. Moses is not Jesus. And to demonstrate this, the author gives the analogy of someone building a house, right? God is the builder of this house, the house being Israel and the church more broadly. That's, that's what the house represents. Moses is the servant of this house, while Christ is the heir to the one who built the house, which gives him authority over the house. Moses, as a servant, was in God's house. Moses is a part of the body while Christ is over God's house being the head of the body. The author of Hebrews wants to be sure to tell his audience that when it comes to who you should look to as an example, you should pattern your life after Jesus and not after Moses. Now the question becomes, what does this really have to do with you and I today? Because, you know, as contemporary Christians, we don't really have this problem. You don't really, I don't know if many of us are really saying, okay, you know, Moses, you know, is greater than Christ. Right? Like, we're not going to have the same struggles as the audience of Hebrews did. But I think the same general principle still can apply to us. Because if we're honest with ourselves, there are times in our lives where we might look to someone else who is not Christ as an example, right? And, this, and, and the people we look to are good people. They're cool people. They're servants of God. They can be a mentor. They can be our parents. They can be our pastor. They can be our friends. We look to them for an example. We look to them for, for guidance and forget that they were only sent by the one who we should be looking to. And, 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 and God is telling us this morning that 
even though servants of mine are great. I want you to consider Jesus. I want you to consider the one who is who who saved your soul. I want you to consider the, the ultimate role model, the ultimate uh, uh, role model for the faith. I want you to consider the greatest of all the servants, which is Jesus. So I think the same principle can apply to us as well. And the question becomes, why should we put our faith? Why should we be faithful? Why ought we be faithful to Jesus over everyone else, right? The reason we consider Jesus, I'm moving into verse 5 and 6 now, is that Jesus is the key and he is the source to the hope which we boast, right? The author says in verse 6 that we hold fast in our confidence to the hope we have in Christ. There's that theme again, hold on. We hold fast in our confidence to the hope we have in Christ. Now the question is, how do we hold on to hope when everything in our life can at times seem hopeless? Well, this morning I want us to consider Jesus. I want us to look to Jesus specifically as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Because when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find our Savior in pain. We see him grieving and even depressed as he is on his knees crying out to the Father. It was in the Garden where we see Jesus just like you and I trying to come to grips with God's plan and God's will. Jesus shows us in the garden that the way you come to terms with God's plan for your life is by dying to your preferences and saying, just like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. We look to the one who gave up everything in trust and devotion to be about his father's business. Even in his darkest hour, Jesus remained focused on God's will, and he was faithful to the one who sent him. And I know many of us, when it comes to this, right, it's easy for us in some ways to be like, yeah, I want, I want God's will for my life. Like, I, I, I want to be on fire for God. Like, I, God, I want you to use me. Let your will be done. We often forget that embracing God's will for our lives also means embracing the pain and struggle that comes with it because God wills that part too. And as painful and as hard as that might be to hear, this is something we have to come to grips with just like Jesus did. Because God ultimately shows us that even in a broken world, he can bring good out of any bad situation. And we have to have faith, like Jesus did, that God will prevail and provide all the time. Jesus shows us that, when we, that we can ready ourselves for the challenges of life through prayer. And I love this, right? And as we talk about on discipleship course, prayer can sometimes be hard 
because we don't get what we want from God in prayer. But Jesus shows us in the garden that sometimes God is not focused on fixing our problems in prayer, but sometimes God wants to fix us while we're in prayer. I'm going to say that one more time. Sometimes God is not focused on fixing our problems in prayer, but sometimes God wants to fix us while we are in prayer. God wants us to have the power to face our problems. And the only way we can gain this power is through God revealing himself to us in prayer. So if you feel like your problems have not been solved after prayer, welcome to the world of Jesus. If you feel like God has not fixed your problems or taken them away, family, Welcome to the world of Jesus, right? Because Jesus did not get his prayer answered by the Father. God said no to Jesus. And if, if Jesus could not change God's mind, then, then, then that must mean that God has a greater purpose for the pain and trouble in our life, right? So welcome to the world of Jesus if you've been denied something by God. But while in the world of Jesus, the good news is Jesus will expand your world and give you what you need to hold on. Because watch this. If you feel like you can face the obstacles that are in front of you after you pray, welcome to the world of Jesus. If you feel like your emotional response has shifted and changed toward your problems, where your sorrow has turned into joy, where your stress has turned into peace, where your confusion has turned into trust in God. If your perspective has changed in prayer, welcome to the world of Jesus. God is encouraging us in this season to take the posture of Jesus. And that's what this text is all about taking the posture of Jesus, considering Jesus. Because when you pray like when you pray like Jesus to God, God will give you the poise and the resolve you need to face the challenges and struggles you have in your life. I heard a preacher recently say, God will give you a handle on your trouble so that you can hold trouble by the handle. I'll say it one more time. God will give you a handle on your trouble so that you can hold trouble by the handle. In order to illustrate what this means, I want to give you the image of a teacup. I want to think with you about the composition of a teacup, right? It's interesting to me how the makers of a teacup understood that once you pour boiling water into the cup, it will be incredibly difficult for you to pick it up just by the cup. So therefore, they said, because folks will not be able to carry the cup with hot contents in it, we're going to give them a handle to hold on to. So therefore, when you are in need, when you are in need of help to carry this cup, reach for the handle. 
because the boiling contents does not trans over to the handle. You can pick the handle up and carry that hot water and drink it very safely. I hope you see where I'm going here. God will give you the poise to handle the troubles in your life because when it feels like you cannot carry the contents in your cup, God says, I'm going to give you a handle to hold on to so that you can carry the cup and the burdens in your life. What do we hold on to? We hold on to God's promises. The promise that God says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The promise that, 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 that God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, even in the midst of what we're going through. The promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us, but will stand with us in the midst of everything we're going through. The promise that God's will will be done every single time and every single season of our life. God will accomplish everything he planned for us. We got to hold on to God's promises because it is those promises that are never changing. It is those promises that, 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 that are eternal. It is those promises that have gotten our ancestors through, that have gotten uh, previous generations through. They held on to the promises of God. Jesus held on to the promises of his Father. And that gave him the poise and the resolve to handle any situation in his life. And we are inheritors of that poise, inheritors of that resolve. I'm so glad this morning that God will give you the poise and the spiritual fitness you need to endure every battle and every obstacle you face in your life. Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. When life looks like it's too hard to overcome and endure, look to Jesus. Look to the perfect model of our faith, and you'll find that he will show you how to endure until God accomplishes every plan he has for your life. Consider Jesus. Hold on. Hang on in there. Keep hope alive because God is not finished with you yet. You can make it. We can make it because God deemed and planned it to be so. Trust. Have faith in God that he is telling you the truth. God is not a liar. We know this to be true. We can look back in the rearview mirror of our lives and know that God has not lied to us before and he is not lying to us right now. God is telling you the truth. So we have reason to put our faith in God and to hold on to the promises of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. For the ultimate example that is Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you have given us every resource, every tool, 
and every spiritual gift that we need in order to make it through every challenge in our life. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. God, I pray for our church. I pray for, our, I pray for this family that we can hold on to the hope that is the gospel. We can hold on to the hope that is your promise. And even in a season such as ours, God, you are still alive, you are still well, and you are still working. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. Give us the strength, God, to hold on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.